So hopefully today you were able to get an insight on my thought process and what goes into creating a warm-up, not only for an individual, but for the general public as well. If you're coaching a class with you know, 10, 15, 20 people in it, you, know, you have to take things into consideration, of course. Equipment availability, what you're using for the day, time allotted. CrossFit, we have an hour. That class is one hour long. We've got a lot to do in that short amount of time. Uh, so we have to find ways to be very efficient and effective with our times, obviously while not putting the or the uh, the health and and health of our members uh, at risk and making sure we're keeping everyone safe and everyone's having a great time and moving well while they're having a great time. Um, but that's the challenging part. It's also the rewarding part. Uh, I used to think group fitness was not a possible, like a good solution to uh, getting into shape and to fitness and that there were so many flaws with it. But I actually, when I started CrossFit, I learned that, hey, you can effectively coach a class of 30 people if your gym space allows for it. Uh, based off the workout of the day, you can get it done in an hour, be very effective, be able to give attention to all 30 athletes, uh, get everyone have a great workout and move well at the same time. I used to think that was not possible. However, I've seen that, man, with practice and with understanding and a plan, you can absolutely do it. So I hope you guys enjoyed this week's podcast on how to create a warm-up. I'll catch you guys next week for another great one. It is a beautiful day today, and I hope that you're having the absolute best day of your life right now. If your day's just starting... I hope it's going to be the best day of your life. Um, I got asked a few weeks ago how I determine what the warm-ups are going to be for when I coach CrossFit. And while I was explaining my thought process behind it, I also thought, man, this would be a great podcast episode. Here I am. We're doing it. So the warm-up in itself is usually tossed aside and not considered super important. I remember, and you probably do too, my warm-ups for sports when I was playing like travel soccer and baseball back in the day, you know, run a lap or two, get in a circle, and then the captain stretch you out in different ways for 30 seconds. You count out loud, maybe a short dynamic warm-up, and then boom, you're ready to go. And you can really get away with that when you're a little kid. As we, as we age, it, not so much. When working out, it usually consists of like the same few things, like a quad stretch here and there. Maybe you'll touch your toes, you know, sit on the bike for five minutes while you scroll your Instagram. Yeah, I know how it goes. But maximizing your warm up is going to help you become a thousand times more efficient in your workout, but only if you know how to do so. Hopefully today, you're going to become a little bit more aware of how to, or at the very least, like where to start even if it's just one thing or one movement. Of course, when creating a warm-up for yourself, it should be individualized based off of your individual needs in regards to your mobility and your goals. The warm-up is the perfect time to implement any mobility or what I like to call primer exercises. Think about it like this. If you're someone who has tight hips and you're about to hit a leg day, so you're starting out with some squats, if you just go straight into some back squats, are you going to be utilizing your full range of motion? <laughs> no. 
not only would you be or would you not be hitting good squats until you're quote unquote warmed up, but you would also be drilling in this poor motor recruitment pattern over and over again. So why not prime your body for exercise, aka warm up, and then and then hit your squats? Not only will you be moving right, but if you can get everything activated properly, you're going to be maximizing your potential strength. For an, for an example, we have a member at our box who has an issue with her left knee caving in on any heavy squatting motion. So we gave her some 90-90 as a warm-up and exercises to strengthen her left glute med because a weak glute med medius is going to cause that knee to cave in. So if we can find ways to activate that muscle through exercises like banded sidesteps, attaching a band to the rig and have it pull her knee inwards while you squat, and so while you squat, you drive your knee outwards to help create and prime positive recruitment patterns. If we do this, it's going to give her the power of using all the muscles that need to fire to have a good squat. If like one muscle or area isn't firing, this is how I like to describe it, you aren't going to be as strong as you can possibly be because something else somewhere else will be compensating for that muscle by working overtime. And then eventually that could lead to an injury. You know, warming up like that for her is going to be much more beneficial than her doing some toe touches and high knees before, you know, her heavy squats. And theoretically, she can do this no matter what the movements are for the day, but just vary the reps and sets. So if she's squatting a lot one day, then spend a lot of time on this primer. If there's no squats, she should still do it, but maybe not as intense, maybe just one or two sets of it instead. So if you take me for an example, every day I have the exact same warm-up for myself with, with the exception of maybe one or two exercises depending on the movements that we have for that day. I'll start off every training day by sitting in the 90-90 position for two minutes. Then I'll do some pels and rails with uh, external and internal rotation. And I do that to help loosen up my hips. So, so something I struggle a lot with is hip internal rotation. So then I'll attack my thoracic spine and my shoulders. Another thing I struggle with is thoracic extension. So some slow cat cows and T-spine rotational exercises to help promote that thoracic extension. And then I'll do some shoulder mobility as well, along with some kettlebell overhead carries to help prime my shoulders to move properly. And these specific movements are because of my specific mobility restrictions that I face. I've also found a lot of success in keeping the routine the same as it keeps me in a routine and being in a routine helps me continuously be consistent. As far as how to determine what restrictions that you, the listener, faces, I encourage you to listen to a few other podcasts I have where I talk about how to assess yourself for restrictions. Because if you don't know how to assess yourself, you don't know what restrictions you'll have. And throughout those podcasts, and, and you've already heard me say a few today, specifically the 90-90, uh, I'll sprinkle in you know, those specific exercises that for some of these restrictions. But you can always Google you know, shoulder mobility exercises, uh, thoracic extension exercises. Do them all and then pick like a few that you like and stick to those and do them religiously. And you can always just shoot me a DM, say, hey, I feel like I struggle with uh, external rotation of my shoulder. Do you have some good exercises? I got you. 
In regards to programming warm-ups for classes, now this is where it becomes a little lot tricky. <laughs> I can't individually design the warm-up for 10 to 15 different people every single day. Now that's just not possible, nor would it flow. It's just not a thing. However, depending on what the workout is for the day, I can create the warm-up based off of the mobility demands of the movements that are in the workout of the day. So let's take a complicated day, like a day with full snatches or like squat snatches. Now this is probably one of the most technical movements that we do in CrossFit. So how do I address that as a coach, creating a warm-up when I have a wide variety of athletes in front of me who are about to do this workout? I'll have people that are, have a very good understanding of the movements, of the mobility prerequisites. And on the other hand, I'll have some people whose movement and technique is just straight up awful because they're new to CrossFit. So how do I create a warm-up that is effective for both groups? And I think this is, uh, like, this was my problem with CrossFit from the outside looking in before I started it. You know, yes, the best warm-up is going to be an individualized one. I, it's, it's something that's catered to their needs, but that's not the setting we have here. People like to do fitness with others, and if that's what gets them in the door, then I'm going to adapt to that because I'm happy they're just finding any way to better themselves. So if we take a movement like the snatch, the receiving position of a snatch is a full overhead squat. Now, the overhead squat is one of the most telling signs of someone's mobility and movement. And I've talked about it in past podcasts before with how to assess someone based off of their movement, and this is literally the movement that we use. So if I'm coaching a class with 15 people in it, the reality of it is that not that probably only five or so will have the movements down pat, if that. The others are learning, and some may be brand spanking new to this. So when I go and create a warm-up, let's just say for five sets of two, snatches at 80% as the strength, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm creating it based off of typical limitations that I see with it. And that's going to be limitations like shoulder mobility, thoracic mobility, and hip and ankle mobility. No matter who you are, chances are you can benefit from more mobility in these areas. So let's say we have five sets of two at, at 80% for the snatches as a strength. And then the workout is going to be, let's say, three rounds, 21 calories on the rower, 21 wall balls. I'm going to start with a warm-up that's going to look a little like this. We're going to hit two rounds. Let's go 10 calories, 10 calories on the rower, 10 PVC pipe pass-throughs, five really slow cat-cows. And with the cat-cows, I'm huge on going segment by segment. So like vertebra by vertebra, just up the spine. Then we're going to do five med ball cleans. We're going to be working to keep that chest up nice and high. And five tempo palms up overhead squats with a PVC pipe. Focusing on keeping those armpits face, facing forward and the PVC pipe directly over the midline. With the first part of that warm-up, I literally just attacked everything we have for the entire day. The rower, the medicine ball, for, and we'll be using that for wall balls. But the med ball cleans are a great primer for that. Uh, shoulder opener and thoracic extension work. And then overhead squats with just a PVC pipe. Now, while they're doing this warm-up, I'm going to, and this is, it's going to vary from box to box. Some boxes do the warm-up all together. 
Uh, typically, the way we do it is just we'll write two rounds, and I would write this warm up on the board, demonstrate all the movements, talk about what I want them to focus on, and then they would go and do it. So while this is going on, you know, a lot of times I'm walking around, you know, correcting them. Hey, slow down with these overhead squats. They're supposed to be tempo. You know, own the bottom position, or you know, keep those eyes looking forward, not down. Chest up. You know, different things like that. So after those two rounds, we would go through a barbell specific workout catered towards the snatch because that's what we have today. So we'll be working on each part of the pool. Now, depending on how much time we had to do the warm up, we may do only like one round with the PVC pipe and then one round with the barbell. It just this just kind of varies. I this is gonna be a game time decision. If I have a class full of nothing but newbies, we're gonna start with the PVC pipe. If this is your first time doing CrossFit, you're gonna start with your PVC pipe. If you've been doing CrossFit for a few months, but you've only snatched three or four times, you're going to be doing this with a PVC pipe. Kind of get the idea? So we may do one round with that and then one round with the barbell. But, you know, if your PVC pipe, if it doesn't look good enough to me, you know, I may get you to keep it for the last round of the barbell warm up, or have you grab like the 15 pound training bar instead of the 45 pound men's bar. And if that didn't look good, I wouldn't let you work up to 80%. You know, in saying this, it reminds me, I was having a conversation the other day and it was, someone was talking about CrossFit and it usually it kind of goes like someone has something to say and I just kind of like, yeah, you know, and then sprinkle in, you know, words of wisdom about CrossFit, but don't let it get to me too much. And someone had a problem that guys use uh, 45 pound bars and girls use 35 pound bars. And you know, when we were first starting CrossFit, Hannah was the same way. She was like, dude, why should I have to use this? I'm going to use the men's bar. It's It has nothing to do with it being like a men's versus women's bar. Uh, women typically have smaller hands, and the smaller, thinner bar is going to allow them to get more of a grip on the bar. Guys have bigger hands. We use a little bit of a bigger bar. It, it's nothing to do with like what sex you are, the weight of the bar, because you can load the 35-pound bar to more than the 45. So <laughs> it's just kind of funny you know, people's perception, it's almost like sometimes they're like looking for things to attack. But uh, so that's basically how we would do this. And, you know, if I would basically put the 15 pound training bar in your hand and I would say, hey, you're, uh, you know, let's keep it like light and we're going to be working on nothing but technique. Clearly, we're not going to be working 80% of their 1RM. They don't know it. And one, they've snatched like twice in their lives. We're not going to max out their snatch. And, and this is how I would create a warm-up for the class specifically compared to an individual. And as you get to know the community, you know more specifically what someone struggles with. So this is where knowing your community is so important. You know, I know so-and-so struggles a lot with uh, thoracic extension. So I'm going to walk up to him during the cat cows and maybe give him some individual attention to specifically help him with this. Or... So-and-so struggles with their knees caving in on heavy squats. I'll have them throw in some banded sidesteps before their sets of snatches. You know, we have one girl, she was struggling with a shoulder issue. And if you don't know what you're doing or you're someone who's like a CrossFit hater, you'll think that this is a dead end and that they can't, that, you know, I can't do anything for that person or except just make her suck it up and push through it. But <laughs> CrossFit is infinitely scalable. Hell, fitness is infinitely scalable, not just CrossFit. But it's a concept that is, is at the root of CrossFit because we welcome all populations from all walks of life and all fitness levels. 
If you're dealing with a shoulder issue, one of the worst things you can do for your shoulder is not do anything at all. Now, I'm not making herself or making her put herself in more pain with the movements. That's kind of my rule of thumb. Hey, does this hurt? Okay, we're not going to do it. We're going to find a way to modify to where if a front squat hurts it in this position, we're going to change it up a little bit. And And that's pretty much what we will do. And we can always find a way to modify the movements and the workouts that'll suit individuals. What makes a good coach great is knowing their members, knowing what their limitations are and, and kind of staying a part of the, the rehab process with them. Hey, you know, Courtney, it's been three months since your shoulder's been hurting. You know, how would, how did PT go? They cleared you. Okay. Awesome. Like, you know, do you feel like you can move that shoulder back to you like full range of motion? Uh, we have wall balls today. So do you feel like that repetitive throwing is going to bug it? You do. Let's uh, let's decrease the weight then. Just <laughs> different things like that, and and knowing all of these limitations and your community, all while still building a, building a general warm up geared towards the movements for the day. You know, and 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 they are good coaches, great coaches. They're also tweaking little things as they go for that individual person, but not taking away from like that group community atmosphere that we offer. And we had an athlete, uh, Dan, dealing with a hip flexor strain. You know, when front squats come up on the strength, you know, I, I kept the warm up the same, you know, not the same as what I described earlier, but like the same as for that day, basically movements that'll prime you for the front squat. And then with him, we'd have him do box squats since breaking parallel strains on his hip flexor. You know, with the box squats, we're having him tempo down and explode up, assuming it brings him no pain. For the girl with the shoulder injury, uh, she's still front squatting, even though the traditional front rack position hurt your shoulder, instead of that right rack position, we modify it. She's doing zombie squats where she keeps her arms straight because that doesn't bother her shoulder. And from a coach and an athlete's you know standpoint, I know that it can be frustrating and just a Debbie Downer overall to not be able to do movements that you could previously do. But as a coach, I'll find ways to encourage her and bring her up even though it's frustrating. The zombie squat is a great way to ensure you're keeping an upright torso on front squats. So that's how I would encourage her. I'd say something like, you know, I know this isn't what you want to do, but look at it like this. This is going to help you reinforce an upright torso in the front squat. So if we work hard at this and build a very strong position here, it will end up translating better to the front squat when your shoulder is better. So hopefully today you were able to get an insight on my thought process and what goes into creating a warm-up, not only for an individual, but for the general public as well. If you're coaching a class with, you know, 10, 15, 20 people in it, you know, you have to take things into consideration, of course, equipment availability, what you're using for the day, time allotted. CrossFit, we have an hour that a class is one hour long. We've got a lot to do in that short amount of time. Uh, So we have to find ways to be very efficient and effective with our times, obviously, while not putting the uh, the health and and health of our members uh, at risk and making sure we're keeping everyone safe and everyone's having a great time and moving well while they're having a great time. Um, But that's the challenging part. It's also the rewarding part. Uh, I used to think group fitness was not a possible, like a good solution to uh, 
getting into shape and to fitness and that there were so many flaws with it. But I actually, when I started CrossFit, I learned that, hey, you can effectively coach a class of 30 people if your gym space allows for it. Uh, based off the workout of the day, you can get it done in an hour, be very effective, be able to give attention to all 30 athletes, uh, get everyone have a great workout and move well at the same time. I used to think that was not possible. However, I've seen that, man, with practice and with understanding and a plan, you can absolutely do it. So I hope you guys enjoyed this week's podcast on how to create a warm up. Catch you guys next week for another great one.